Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Veteran Minority Podcast. It's been a busy week. It's been a lot happening in the news, sports-wise, pop culture-wise. It's a lot that I want to talk about this week. I've been getting a lot of feedback. Well, I got some feedback. I'm not going to say I got a lot of feedback. I got some feedback from some people who listen to my podcast that um, I guess I came off a lot of I'm very angry in the in my last episode. And I'm going to get that to that in a minute. As well, I'm going to talk about uh, Antonio Brown and him, Anthony Davising his way out of uh, Pittsburgh. Shout out to that brother. A lot of people think I'm mad. Well, I would be mad as a Steelers fan, but actually I'm not, actually. I'm happy for him and Le'Veon. I'll get to that a bit later. Um, oh, and Sean Porter. I'll talk a little bit about the Sean Porter fight, too, before I get to uh, the, the sports stuff. But the first stuff that I want to talk about is, uh, yeah, I got some feedback last week as far as, you know, I guess I sounded a little angry when I addressed the subject of voting. And... Uh, I don't, my goal, my message is not, I want to be very clear. My message is not that we, my message is not that black people shouldn't vote or that people in general shouldn't vote. I feel that people are, have anxiety about, especially, I feel like black people have an anxiety about not voting that is not warranted. Um, If you study our existence and like I said, our history of us being in this country, then you understand that we've been through most of what, you can go through like most of what a government can subject on you that you know can disadvantage you and economically deprive you and mass incarcerate you I mean we've pretty much been through that and so the notion that the president or the people in Congress or even a caucus a black caucus of people in Congress are going to do something for you that they've never proven that they could do in the past um to me is just as stupid as people telling you not to vote. I mean, people telling you that, like, when the, to me, don't, to me, to vote, understanding all of that stuff is just as stupid as I feel that way. I feel as strongly as I do about that as the people who feel like you should vote feel as strongly that um, for the reasons that they feel our ancestors died for our right to vote. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree that our ancestors died for the right to vote. I agree that our ancestors died for us to own. Um, property because we were property and we wanted to be free which is to own ourselves so I think if you probably would talk to a lot of the I guess and I'm just studying this is just a little bit of history that I've studied but I imagine that aside from the black people who were who wanted to be who wanted to stay in slavery and wanted and were happy in that state of living um, most black people that were about that life were probably about ownership in at the turn of the 20th century the late 19th century because that's what it was about <laughs> It was about having land And being able to feed yourself And feed your family And things of that nature And Somehow along the way We've lost that And we think that We should vote Simply because and Because along with owning land Came the right to vote So that's what the voting thing That's where the voting piece Came into power Because then we were a part Of the, the politics of the day Because the politics Is always going to be run By those with money And that own stuff so um, I think that's, it's very important So my, my message is Yes, it's going to be Don't vote for a candidate That's not going to do anything Or not commit themselves to a black agenda Because given the history of black Americans in the country We are in need of an agenda 
Um, we have things that we want, and when we speak on them, we get ducked and sidestepped and get mixed in with a lot of other people's history. History, we get ahistorical takes about people and their struggle mixed in with ours, and that's very dangerous to our existence economically um, because that's all that really uh, matters at the end of the day. So my, my, my greater opinion on voting is that we should not vote for candidates who do not commit to us And to me that is not Bernie Sanders That's not Kamala Harris That's not uh, Cory Booker That's not Donald Trump That's not any of them um, There is a state senator That was down in Arkansas That I would vote for in Congress Because she went in on those white men And those people in the Congress And it's, I don't want to make it a white or black thing But what I'm saying is she went in She spoke truth to power About they were going to pass another Stand your ground bill for the cops Which they did down here in Florida I spoke about that on one of my earlier episodes podcast. Go back and listen to that But um, They were going to pass another stand your ground bill And she Lost her cool and, and expressed her and, and, and I don't think We should label her a firebrand And I don't think in the future we should expect all our politicians To speak directly Like with as much passion and fury as she did But I want them to speak on the topic And she was very on topic She was on code and that's why I would vote for her. I'm not saying that we need all of our politicians to be screaming and yelling and banging stuff and cussing at people. No, what I'm saying is we need politicians that are going to speak to the issue that does exist, that the greater society of America, white America, does not really care about. And so because politicians who are running under corporate donations and things choose to try to speak directly to them while trying to galvanize us at the same time, and it doesn't work. Like I said, the Obama thing happened and it's not working anymore. Because we understand like you have to be more than just black. You know? And so But yeah, I I didn't mean I just wanted to open the show with that because I, a lot of people, you know, were telling me that I sounded angry and that it's silly to not vote. And I don't agree. I think it's very strategic not to vote. And I think that we are at a time in history where in the twenty first century we you can go down the um the scrolls and you'll see a lot of different ethnicities have been paid reparations for the things that they've endured and so a lot of people say reparations will never happen and I think if you carry that attitude then at least the best thing you can do to to, to ensure that it does happen is not vote if you think reparations doesn't happen and you still vote well, I think you are part of the problem and another thing I want to address I want to address people that say that if you can't that if you don't vote then you're a part of the problem no I'm not you are part of the problem because we're a labor force like we're the proletariat out here you know what I mean we're the people that are that the data entry people we're the people that are filing papers away we're the people that are you know building the planes putting the bonds on we're the workers man and so to think like not like a worker and try to get the maximum worth that you're worth that, that a worker can gather in this economic system you're stupid to just be giving your vote away without getting anything that could tangibly benefit in your life tangibly mean putting your bank account and another thing I want to address is black people who say that we don't need to get cash reparations. You can get out of here with that. Sorry, Skype, somebody Skype me. You can get out of here with that. Because, um, we, everybody, no, nobody says that about any other group when they get cash payments for. The suffering that they've suffered So when we come and we start asking for ours Don't come at, don't hit us with that whole well, We don't need to get cash, we need to get education No, because at the end of the day You're getting educated so that you can get cash And a lot of educated people aren't even smart So I'm tired of that notion too 
that education somehow is inherently beneficial to you. It's not. It's beneficial to you if you know what to get educated about and and you know how to get money. There's no point in going to college and 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 learning reading a whole bunch of stuff and learning a whole bunch of stuff in books and not having any experience to do anything and not having any type of uh, reference point in your mind to just pull from I don't know anything. Like you're just a bookworm. There's no point in being that in life. And so I think that's where you you can overrate education in the sense of reparations. They go, yeah, well, just give us free college. No, because college isn't for everybody. And just because you can read and write and articulate yourself, that isn't, that's not the only way to make yourself valuable to a, to a community. So to get, so get out of here with the free education. And I get it, vocations and all that stuff will fit into it. That could be part of the package. But definitely in... And, and, and part of reparations needs to, needs to include cash payments So don't listen to any black people Telling you that we don't need cash either either Because the Jews got cash, the Americans got cash After the 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 uh, After the Americans Fought Mexico and took their land They paid them cash Like don't tell me we don't need cash That's a stupid argument And you would get that over on some other people But don't try to do that Don't listen to anybody tell you that um, Because that's not right Reparations is the issue of the day for us politically and if you're going to withhold your vote withhold it intelligently and make sure that you keep up on what's going on like i said bernie sanders recently and, and, and with, what I, with that being said it's going to lead me into my bernie sanders point which bernie sanders did a breakfast club interview and he pretty much just sat up there and when he was asked if he had a black agenda he said yes he did but he didn't address anything specific onto black people and that's very problematic because like I said Because of everything I highlighted earlier um, I understand that a lot of black people Are going to vote for him And that's just because There's some of us that Don't know better I guess But We cannot keep allowing politicians to Not speak to us I guess that's that's what I want to say um, That's what the, all of this is leading to Is we have to make sure that we're addressed On a specific level So that we can get specific things so that we can build our communities up Because it seems like now That we're getting the education It's like everybody's trying to withhold the money And no, we Yes, are there going to be some black people That if we got cash reparations Would piss it away? True, but So Nobody should get paid Because they pissed their money away? Like that's just stupid No When money is owed Money should be paid And black Americans Descendants of slaves Are owed money And so That's my issue in voting And because I believe that I believe that I should not vote for any politicians that do not speak directly to me. And in times, sometimes when I speak about that, it will lead me to be very passionate. But I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I don't hate Bernie Sanders. I don't hate any politician. I just think that they need to come on with it because we got to think the long game. They talk about by 2053, black, the black wealth, uh, the black net worth is going to be zero. Like, if that doesn't alarm you as a black man, as, especially as a black man, but as black people, then I don't know what to tell you. As all people, first of all, because they said, uh, I think like a decade after that, the Latinos will follow us into no wealth. And that's the whole thing. And you have to understand that. You have to be black more than just, you know, your words. Black is not an aesthetic. Like, it's a, it's a life. Like, it's a real thing. There's a lot that comes with being black economically. And we must understand this. And that's what I'm saying, that we can't, we can't we're too... The internet is available to us, so there's no excuse to not know about these politicians, to not know their real history. Because now we, we're in the game where we can get so much information 
And people say, I've also been told you can't predict the future. That's not true. <laughs> you can. If you gather enough information about the past, you can predict the future. And people do it all the time. And with that being said, we need to be gathering up and studying the past so that we can understand our future and we can better predict what these politicians are doing when they're when you're asking a Bernie Sanders about a black agenda and he's beginning to moonwalk all across the issue and you got Kamala Harris straight up telling you like I'm not gonna do anything for black people no like you know what I'm saying <laughs> like what like they would never say like you would never hear anybody else say that type stuff so yeah that's always gonna lead me to be impassioned so to address those little bit of criticisms I accepted the criticism and I understand where it's coming from but at the same time, I'm not going to change my tone or tenor because when it, politically, we can't be as stupid as we're being. I'm not even going to say immature. We're just being plumb dumb. And it's not going to lead us to get anything that's going to help benefit us and set our kids up and, and for the future. Or even our communities to put our community in a better situation for the future. It's just going to lead us into more of what we claim we don't want. But we're keeping on the same behavior. So that's, that's basically where I'm coming from on that. So I digress off that point. 13 minutes in, I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, for those of you that are still listening, <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. So go to iTunes, subscribe to Veteran Minority Podcast. Rate and comment too, man. Y'all, y'all listening to my stuff, just comment and let me know. Let the, let the people at Apple know how you feel about my podcast. Also, go to Google Podcasts as well, and you can subscribe there as well. I'm also on YouTube, Demetrius Collins, my YouTube page. And uh, yeah, because I didn't say that at the very beginning. So continuing on, oh yeah, so the leaving the leaving Neverland documentary came out, and um, I want to address that as well. I want to take some time to address um, the whole leaving Neverland thing. Really, I want to talk about the role of te- television and media in general. The reason why I want to get into media and broadcast media. And do my own podcast and be on radio stations is because it's a power that you have to control the narrative. And in a world of white supremacy and racism and anti-black laws and anti-black history, at least like the modern history, modern world history is very anti-black. I think it's it's very important that we control the narrative, um, especially given that the internet is easily accessible nowadays. So. I'm always going to criticize the white media when I when it comes to how they present black men on TV. Because, and that's not necessarily to defend R. Kelly. I'm not even going to defend R. Kelly at all because I'm going to speak about the R. Kelly situation as well. Um, but generally when you see black men on TV, you see a negative stereotype. You see a brother with dreads, a snappy, tattoos all over his face, goatee. Or he murdered two people over in some far neighborhood that the white people don't normally live at. And yeah, we got him in jail now. Or um, it's just the different ways that we are made, we are held accountable to the world. Like when Tiger Woods cheated on his wife, he gave an apology to the world. And I'm very like, as a younger dude, like I, I, it didn't hit me. But now that I'm older, I'm looking back on that and I'm saying, yo, why, why did he have to apologize to the world because he cheated on his wife? Um, it's just how they, it's just how we're depicted generally in the media. It's very negative. You rarely see, you rarely see it, which is why the Cosby show was so very important, which is why on earlier episodes of my podcast, I got very passionate about 
the fact that people were cheering, taking that down because because the media is has a, such a negative image, and I include rappers into that because rappers do fit a certain negative stereotype. As much as we can say they're doing positive and they're making money and they're not in the streets and they're not doing this and what they're not doing, at the same time, what they are doing is creating and shaping a mindset for young black boys. That's a fact um, through the television, and so that's why I have such a beef with media. So I'm going to say I'm go- I was very skeptical. Off the jump when I found out they were doing a Michael Jackson documentary. I was very skeptical when I found out that they were doing an R. Kelly documentary. Because, number one, Michael Jackson has been acquitted on all charges. Like, not found not guilty. I know a lot of people say that doesn't mean anything. Well, it has to mean something in some cases, right? Um, I don't know. Because at, the, and at that point, then, then what's the point of having a trial? We should just let angry mobs of people decide whether or not are guilty. But then that's called lynching. Which is what's happening today. <laughs> like they're, they're, they use the documentaries of, of things that Michael Jackson has been vindicated of. FBI did a 10 year investigation on him. You can look it up. The internet is your friend. And you will find out that he's been vindicated. Like there's no evidence that he did these things. And being that I know how media likes to portray. It's like I didn't even. And, and, and for the record I didn't watch the documentary. Because I'm not going to participate in that. Because I know what that is. That's propaganda. Like, and people are like, oh no, it's victims. It's not victims. It's not victims. I'm sorry. I will stand on that. Uh, some people are being politically correct. They're saying um, one person is telling the truth, but the other one's not. That's the mo- that seems like the, the corporate way to go. Well, I'm not corporate at the moment. So, I I am saying that they're both lying. The Wade Robinson dude is a, is a liar. And just because some victims come back around and tell their story years later doesn't mean all victims that co- everybody that comes back and says they was molested as a as a child or whatever the case may be who said who says they weren't but then come back and says they were doesn't mean they're all telling the truth <laughs> especially when you have an FBI investigation to buffer that so I don't really my my attitude on it is the documentary is going to be slanted in such a way that it's supposed to make you think that Michael Jackson's guilty that's the purpose of it that's why it's done that's why the R Kelly documentary was done was to make you think. Now, with the R. Kelly documentary, there's some things in R. Kelly's personal life that has come up that are irrefutable that lead you to believe that he's guilty. So, with the whole Gail King interview, it was it very fascinating to hear him when she asked him, like, have you ever slept with an underage woman? And he said, no. Like, whoa. Okay. Okay, dude. But you were married to Aaliyah. So, that right there is like, you know, you can't really defend R. Kelly. But Michael Jackson, like, I don't know what people want. I don't know what people want. Like, if you believe Michael Jackson is guilty of that stuff... You know, um, then I got some oceanfront property in Idaho for sale, for real. It's beautiful. It looks right over the Pacific, beachfront. I got it for you. And for those people who will say, well, how do you defend him sleeping in the bed with kids? You don't. How about that? You don't. You just look at his life and you just be like, yo, man, he probably was an abused dude. Who never emotionally matured past like the age of 12. I mean, think about his life. <laughs> I mean, I just I just challenge you to think. And sometimes the TV and documentaries, the purpose of a documentary, if a well-done documentary, is it did all the thinking for you and it's presenting the information to you. That's the purpose of a really good documentary. From what I understand, the reading and some of the voices in media that I trust to get to give me or or to give me like credible information have told me that I've have, have and a lot of the reading also. That this documentary is just guys just talking about what he did, but no proof. And I'm saying, okay, so am I going to believe two people telling me something that happened to them or a 10-year FBI investigation? You you decide. 
But I don't believe Michael Jackson did it. You can convince me that R. Kelly did it. I'm not saying I don't believe R. Kelly did it, but you can make me believe R. Kelly did it. I still believe that both of those documentaries and everything that's going on is completely racial. Definitely, because you have the Harvey Weinstein's and all these dudes, and just because you're black and you think you you think black men should be held accountable doesn't mean that what's happening to R. Kelly and Michael Jackson is not racist. Two things can be true at one time. R. Kelly can be guilty, and the media dragging it right now could be racist. And that's exactly what's happening. Because like I said, you haven't Harvey Weinstein hasn't had to sit on, Matt Lauer hasn't had to sit on prime time. And talk about the women that he grabbed and did this and did that too and all this other stuff. Harvey Weinstein ain't had to do that. There's all these pedophiles, Jeffrey Epstein and all these dudes that's out here taking kids to islands and stuff. But you don't know about these people. And that's the point. That's my point of media. That's why I say I think I found something in doing this podcast and doing radio. Because it's going to allow me a voice and more and it's allowed a lot of black men in the 21st century and women too. To control the narrative To fight back Take back the narrative Because that's part of Fighting back against white supremacy Is taking back the narrative Of what they say about you Of what they say about us What they say about black boys What they say about black men Who may be sick I'm not saying that Michael Jackson isn't sick He didn't need therapy Because yes Michael Jackson needed somebody To talk to him And be like Look my dude listen I get it You didn't have a childhood You're just a performer And that's all you know And I understand But dude can't be hanging out with little boys man it just it's a bad look mike and you have to understand that you're not in the position to have bad looks <laughs> like you can't have a bad look because then people will believe because for some reason for some things um perception is reality but that's not true because that's why you have investigation because if you investigate then it can help you shape a better perception which will then give you a reality perception is perception reality is reality to get to reality you have to investigate to perceive anybody could perceive something and the FBI did an investigation on Michael Jackson and they found out that he had there was nothing about his life that indicated that he was a pedophile at any level like not even he had naked boys on his computer that you could be like okay well maybe he didn't rape those but he at least thought about it there was nothing now you could believe that somehow he's a criminal mastermind and out of all the sexual predators in the world he's the one guy that could cover his tracks so well I guess surprise FBI raids like I don't know but come on man let it go the media needs to let it go this is probably some stuff that's, that, that people above our heads and trying to play with, do, dealing with Michael's royalties and, you know, the music and all that stuff. It's a lot of big games, man. We only need to buy into it. Michael Jackson didn't do that. Now, R. Kelly, if you want to believe he did that, you know, hey, I, I, I wouldn't argue against you because, like I said, dude, like he lied. Like, like he, I would have, I said it on my radio show, uh, The Kickback, which I do 10 to 1. AM on Fridays on WAM 90.5. You can get that on the Intune app for those of you that want to listen in. But I said that on my radio show. I said that R. Kelly, I would have given him the benefit of the doubt about some of the new charges until I heard him tell Gail King that he's never slept with an underage girl. And I was just like, okay. I can't even believe you now, brother. Because, like, you, you got to admit to at least Aaliyah. At least, at minimum, you got to admit to Aaliyah. Like, you have to admit to it, dude. I know that might be incriminating, but you have to admit to it. And when he lied and said that he never had sex with an underage girl, I was like, wow. So, yeah, you get no benefit of the doubt from me anymore. Hold on. So, yeah, and then I don't know who told him to do that interview, but that was a bad look. Uh, The fact that he got all emotional. 
people tend to equate being emotional with guilt. So the fact that he got really emotional, like it sold a lot of people on that. Like, yeah, he's guilty. And then another thing what he has to understand is, has his jury even been selected yet? Like, dude, your jury pool is watching. <laughs> like, you got to hold it together, my man. Like, you got to, yo, you going up against the system of white supremacy and some crimes that you definitely, you probably did. Like, you got to, you fighting two people in the ring right now, man. You need to be in better mental shape than what you're in. And crying on national TV, man, that's no way. But I don't know, man. He's getting bailed out. So, I don't know. Somebody's got his bag. He's got some money coming from somewhere. So, he'll be having money to fight these cases. But yeah, for the record, I don't believe Michael Jackson is guilty. I um, believe that R. Kelly more than likely. I don't know if he's like did everything that they said as far as like abusing women and keeping them locked in rooms. But I can believe that R. Kelly messed with underage women. Even more so now than ever. Because like I said, he lied about the Aaliyah thing. And I kind of, you know, shot him some bail on the Aaliyah thing. And not as not that I say I agree with it, but for the simple fact that he married her. So, and I'm wondering, like, where are the parents at in all of this? So, for me, yeah, I shot I shot him some bail on that one. Because I was like, yo, her mom, her dad, somebody had to be okay with that. Because that doesn't happen. Not not, not normally. And for, some, for a woman like Aaliyah, who was going to be a star. Anyway, yeah, so... I just would have liked to hear him admit to that. I would have been able to believe that he's not everything the media is trying to make him out to be had he just admitted, like, yes, I slept with Aaliyah um, when she was underage. I married her, this and that. Uh, and, you know, and kind of repent for it. But to say no, I was like, dang, R. So, yeah, R. Kelly, man, um, you're going to jail. You're going to jail. But anyway, y'all, you can subscribe to the podcast at YouTube, Demetrius Collins on YouTube. You can subscribe on iTunes, The Veteran Minority. And you can subscribe on Google Play as well. You can go to the Google Play app, get the Google Podcast, and you can subscribe to my podcast there. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Also, if you want to comment, if you like what I'm doing here, I'm going to keep it going. Um, stay independent until, you know, the right situation comes along. But if you can... Uh, comment and you know drop drop your boy some reviews and please give me feedback on what you do like or what you don't like about the show other ways that other directions that I can take the show and things of that nature it'd be greatly appreciated all right so continuing on into sports let me go through my notes here Sean Porter won last night um he had a split decision he won on 116, 112, 115, 113, and 111, uh, 117. He fought Ugas, uh, Cuban brother. Um, it was a good fight. He was clipping Sean. He was clipping Sean, but Sean was clipping him too. And Sean was moving around the ring and dancing and defending and jabbing. And uh, my thing is with boxing, I always thought that if it's a close fight, it's going to go to the champ. Because for you to beat the champ, you have to thoroughly beat the champ. Because if it's a close fight, then doesn't... I would imagine that general, the general public would think that the champ won. So that was what I was going off of when I watched the fight. I thought, this is a close fight, but I don't think Ugas did enough to win the fight. Because he's going up against the champ. And in boxing, that matters. Because, you know, you're not just fighting for the belt. <laughs> you're fighting for money and pay-per-views and all that stuff. So, yeah, you do, you know, 
But I don't think Ugas did enough. I think Ugas played did a very good fight. I think he counterpunched. I think sometimes when he had when he when he did cut the ring off effectively on Sean Porter, I think he hesitated to let his hands go. Um, I don't know. I'm not a trainer. I would love to have my man, uh, one of my man, Ard on the podcast one day to talk boxing because he could probably you know break it down a lot a lot better. But he had him in the corner a lot of times, and he like just kind of froze up. And I understand he was he was a counterpuncher, so he was trying to. But you can't. When you got him in the corner, you got to kind of let your hands go and touch him up a little bit so that he'll throw something so you can get your counter punches off. But I don't know. He just he just hesitated. So like I said, he didn't do enough. He didn't beat Sean Porter thoroughly enough to me to get a split decision victory over the champion. Like, no way. No way. I don't think he did enough. I pro- I'm probably wrong. And hopefully in the future, I can get some other opinion on the podcast of people who actually participated in the sport and, you know, know about the sport at a much higher level than I do. To give commentary on the sport, um, because that will help me fund, uh, fundamental uh, help my arguments. Yes, and with that being said, speaking of arguments, um, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are no longer Steelers. For all my people that know me very well, know that I am a Steelers fan, and I'm not upset about it at all actually I'm happy for the brothers because I'm happy on two fronts me personally I'm happy on two fronts I'm happy that number one Le'Veon played it the way that he did as far as sitting out a season like that was play I, I kudos to that brother because the, the NFL has a has, is, is you know it's, it's like any other labor organization they want to get Max profit out of you And they don't give the players guaranteed contracts So they want to get more than what you're worth For you And they want you to put your body on the line And Le'Veon said no And I like I like that I like that I like that he sat it out I like that he didn't take the money And I think he's going to cash in this offseason Antonio Brown I respect Antonio Brown's decision to leave Because Ben Roethlisberger And um, Steelers Depot which I, I did follow a while ago I used to listen to their podcast a lot um, And I probably will again Start listening to their podcast um, Steelers Depot a lot, Okay the, the word out about Ben Roethlisberger Is that he doesn't take blame And Steelers Depot released an article saying that Ben Roethlisberger does take blame And they went through all the times from like 2011 All up to the present day We said it was my fault, it was my fault, it was my fault Okay, okay, I get that And Cool, but Ben also has a radio show when he talks about players and what they don't do, and what happens on the routes that shouldn't have happened, and why the interceptions were thrown. And he never takes blame on his radio show, talking to the public. So that has to amount for something too. So I respect that because my my goal, and a lot of people that know me up close too, when I talk sports, is you know I'm not a big fan of the quarterback position. I think a lot of these dudes are overrated. I think most of them suck. So shout out to Derek Carr that he got Antonio Brown Because Derek Carr sucks Like he sucks And so they got him a good receiver And now he's going to be good And he's going to get all the credit And that's what I have an issue with So and, 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 and Big Ben is better than Derek Carr But at the end of the day Derek Carr sucks And so for Antonio Brown like I don't like the notion That other players Outside the quarterback position are interchangeable that's not true yes dude every quarterback in nfl is not like 
Most dudes is Jake Plummer. Like, if you, you know what I mean? Like, most dudes is whack. You have a few quarterbacks at the tippy top that are great at what they do. They get the ball out fast. They throw high touchdowns, high completion percentage. They do. They check all the boxes. They don't take sacks. That's a very, very few quarterbacks. The rest of dudes are just cool. You hoping to get an eye, dude. Like a Kirk Cousins. You hoping if you can get a Kirk Cousins. See how much Kirk Cousins is commanded on the open market. 84 million guaranteed. Like crazy. Kirk Cousins hasn't won anything. <laughs> anything at all. And so I don't like the notion that 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 teams get that 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 player positions outside the quarterback are devalued because if you have a Todd Gurley, if you have a Le'Veon Bell, if you have an Antonio Brown, you have to pay those dudes. Because they're not you don't get them a diamond dozen. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers, we draft well, we develop receivers well. So do I think Juju Smith can produce at a level comparable to Antonio Brown? I would think so, but we'll see. And because Antonio Brown did put in a lot of work, so that does need to be respected as well. But the, but the point I'm making is there needs to be more respect for the skill positions, the guys that run the ball for a living, the guys that catch the ball for a living, because they make your Derek Carrs look like Tom Brady's, some of them. And they need, there's need, there needs to be more respect for that. So at the end of the day, if I do run a route that's a little rounded off or something of that nature, or if I see the coverage differently than you do and I break in instead of out, you know what I'm saying? Look, brother, like I'm catching 1,500 yards, man, and double-digit touchdowns. Like, you know what I'm saying? Respect my respect what I'm doing out here too. And I and 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 so that's why I agree with Antonio Brown. I don't agree with a lot of the way he handled it. No. I don't agree with like a lot of stuff he does. Like, what the hell is that mustache? My dude got a look like Hulk, like a black Hulk Hogan. Like, I don't know what he's doing. But I don't agree with nothing else. But I respect the fact that the worker needs to be be respected as well. Because they have this little thing on the field where the quarterback is like the CEO. And so he could do no wrong. like, and, and that's what I don't like about Ben Roethlisberger. Not to mention ben Ro- some of the things that Ben Roethlisberger has done off the field. That I know that if he was a black quarterback, i.e. Jameis Winston, like, he would not get any props or respect for it. But Ben Roethlisberger, like, everybody just skips over like his knuckleheadedness. Like driving, one, getting into a motorcycle accident without a helmet, raping two women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just stupid stuff. So, no, I don't like Big Ben. And I think that talking down to your team... When you're the quarterback, it's very bad. I think Antonio Brown is a very valuable receiver. I think he's going to make Derek Carr look better. Derek Carr still sucks. And so shout out to him. Yep. Um, shout out to him. And shout out to the Golden State Warriors too, man. Because I've been watching a lot more NBA. Getting ready because as you guys know... Um, the Lakers are out of it. The Lakers lost to the Suns, which was the worst thing that could ever happen to my life as a Suns fan. The Lakers losing to the Suns because the Suns, like when the Suns lost, like you just realize how bad they were. Like nobody was talking about the Suns. We just sucked. Everybody was quiet. I could be a Suns fan and quiet. Nobody was sweating me. Nobody, it wasn't a joke or nothing. And then the Lakers win. I mean, the Suns win against LeBron. And then it just uncovers all how bad the Suns are. And I'm even looking into my team. I'd even look into my team. I found out Devin Booker's not good. So that's a nugget. Um, but articles started to come out about how poorly we run. It was just the worst week for me as a Suns fan. It got me contemplating if I should continue to be a Suns fan or not. More on that later. But the Lakers are out of it, obviously. And so now I'm looking to who I'm looking towards I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors. And I'm seeing can they compete? Now, people are saying a lot of the numbers are stating that when DeMarcus Cousins on the court, they suffer. And that's all cool. That's all fine and dandy. Um, but, yo, man, they still have KD. 
And until they, until KD has a slip in his game, I don't know. And we're going to see. Like I said, and, and that's the beautiful thing about the NBA. It's a lot of these guys, when you're looking at their stats and how much they're averaging and their assists and their rebounds, it all looks cool. But see, now we're going to see when it comes to playoff time. Because LeBron's out the way. It's KD. It's the Warriors. It's the East is open now. Kawhi's got a chance. The Greek Freak has got a chance. Embiid has got a chance. Kyrie's got a chance. Like, nobody's, nobody can blame LeBron. It ain't LeBron's not in anybody's way. So now we're going to see who's really the dogs and who's really trying to step into that role. And I think KD is the best. I think the Warriors are going to repeat, honestly. If they don't, if somehow the Rockets, if they meet the Rockets, a healthy Rocket squad, then that's the only thing I think will deter them. Other than that, not much is going to deter them. I watched them play Denver on Friday. And I just realized, like, Denver doesn't have the players, man. Denver's a good team, like like I said, for the 82-game season thing. Um, You know, you know. People coming up to altitude, not being able to play, and they're catching guys off for back to back. You know what I mean? Just the general malaise of the season. Could you could accrue wins? But when you break it down and you look between the numbers, Denver does not have the horses to take them the distance. The Warriors do. The Warriors do. Um, in the East, it looks like Toronto does. To me, to me, Toronto looks fierce, and that makes me realize how bad DeRozan was. Jesus. I'm feeling for my, my people out in San Antonio, man. They got they got stuck with the Rosen. But I talked to them when I went out to San Antonio. I talked to my boy Jazz and his dad. I told him, yo, man, the Rosen ain't coming with gifts, bro. He ain't coming with gifts. <laughs> He's not coming with gifts, man. This dude is coming with baggage and anxiety and, you know, late game turnovers. And you guys give up an MVP player. And they, Toronto looks like a totally different team. The whole time that DeRozan was in Toronto, he never led the team in win shares. Kyle Lowry did. Like, that's amazing to me. And Kawhi, in like one season, is leading the team in win shares. He hasn't even been there. And he's been sitting out games. That's how bad DeRozan was. Man, I feel so sorry for the San Antonio fans. Yeah, unload DeRozan as quickly as you guys can. Trade him to like Denver or something. Denver will take him. Or New Orleans. But yeah, man. So Toronto to me looks like the team out the East. Uh, obviously Milwaukee. I, I'm not counting them out. Looking forward. Philadelphia. I don't know what's up with Embiid and his health. Like he comes back, he drops 33, but he misses games due to his knees, and I don't know. And I don't know about them. They lose a lot of close games, and the playoffs is nothing but close games. I think they have the talent in the team. I don't know. I don't know if they have the right experience level yet. But I think they have the talent in the team and the, and the starting lineup and the makeup to win. But I don't know if they have just just the know-how to get it done. I think the Warriors have the know-how. I don't know if the, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks have the know-how. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes Toronto look so decent because Toronto has been in the Eastern Conference Finals before. Like within like the last three NBA seasons, I want to say. Hold on, let me look it up. Go to my favorite uh, joint, uh, basketball reference. Look up the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, give me a second.
They went to the Eastern Conference Finals oh, in 2015, 2016. Okay. So the, the last two seasons, they were to the Eastern Conference semis. But still, anyway, that's playoff experience. Kyle Lowry was on the team then. Every year, he was, he was on the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. He was on the two team. He was on the teams that lost in the Eastern Conference Semis, leading the team in win shares. Not DeRozan. So they added Kyle Lowry to Kawhi Leonard. Man, not now they got Pascal Siakam. They traded for Mark Gasol. Like yo, man, we needed to have more respect for Toronto, man. We really do. Cause Toronto was good, obviously. They just had DeRozan, and that's so crazy. Cause he's so bad. DeRozan is so bad. If everybody had told me to stop going hard on DeRozan, now look at it. DeRozan is bad. And the the Raptors were good. They just needed a championship-level player. And they got it in Kawhi. At least we think they got it in Kawhi. At the moment, they're four games better than where they were last year. Well, when the loss column. Yeah, man. Wow. The offensive rating... Let me see. Let's go inside the numbers with, with Toronto. The offensive rating is 6. Their defense rating is 7. So they're top 10 in offense and defense. So they're legit. Toronto is legit. Advanced leaders in win shares. Pascal Siakam, 7 win shares. Kawhi Leonard, 7.9 win shares. Pascal Siakam, 7.5. Kyle Lowry, 5.7, 5.7 surge. Danny Green giving you 4.3. Yeah, they're they're a good team. They're a good team. Definitely. Definitely. So we need to watch out for Toronto, man. They're not a joke. They're not a joke. At all. Um, What else was in the news that I had to talk about? Oh, going back. There was, I was listening to uh, Stephen A. Smith's podcast. Now I'm just going to just, you know, speak on just some, di- some different things. I was listening to the Stephen A. Smith uh, First Take podcast. And Stephen A. Smith was talking about to... Uh, he was talking to Max Kellerman. And they were debating the 76ers. And Stephen A. went on his little soliloquies or whatever. But he said something that I liked. And I want, and I want us to think about this. Because this is true. All right, because I want to be the type of person that wants I want this how I want to think, and I just how I want the listeners of my podcast to think and my future radio shows. I want you guys to think in this terms too. Let's not think of the world in the ways that we think it should be. That's that's kind of what the television tends to do to us. It tends to make us see the world in its most evil or purest form. Like it's not realistic. We need to think of the world, think of the world in terms of the way it is. What it has been, what it has been, and what it is. And then based on those facts of looking at that, that's how we need to modify our behavior. We need to modif- modify our behavior based off historical evidence of what generally has worked for black people and what hasn't. That goes back to my, by 2053, they're saying that we're going to have zero worth. Like, we're not going to own anything, like zero. Not to say that no individual black people won't own stuff, but as a collective, we won't own anything. And that's bad because we should own something. Now... Um, that's just one aspect of it, but yeah, I want you. I want us to think about the world in those terms. So going back to what Stephen A. says, Stephen A. is speaking about the process. For those that don't know what the process is, which I'm sure if you listen to my podcast, you have an idea. But let me explain for those that don't. The process was this analytics revolutionary, you know, idea by Sam Hinkie. He's a white dude, general manager of 76ers, and he basically came up with the idea that there's no point 
in being a middle of the road team. There's no point in being ninth in the West, and there's no point in being uh, there's no point in being ninth in the West. There's no point in being seventh in the West or in in the East. Or there's no point in being a middle of the road team. You're better off being first, meaning the best, like Golden State, Milwaukee, Toronto type team, or you're better off being like the Phoenix Suns are this year. Just terrible. And what Stephen A. was saying was, if a black dude came to an owner as a, as a, trying to get a GM job and said, "Yo, here's my plan for success." We're going to tank games, tank games, tank games, tank games, tank games so that we can accumulate draft picks. Stephen A is saying that we as black people would not have been afforded that um, that privilege. He said it would have never happened. He said it has never happened. That's what he said. He said it has never happened and he said it will never happen. And they stuck out in my mind because Stephen A looks at the world like the way it is, not what it should be. And he's going off of saying that as a black man, you don't have the luxury of telling your boss that, yo, man, we're going to suck for a while. But hey, what I'm doing, it's working. And, and it did work, but what he's saying is black people don't get that privilege. And then Max Kellerman came back and said, well, it'll never happen. Because he agreed with him. Like, yeah, there is a level of privilege. As da, da, da. You know, he gave his little white liberal, white guy liberal spiel about how there's a level of privilege. And we need to extend that privilege to everyone. And then he said, then when he, when he pushed back with Stephen A, said it will never happen. And I agree with Stephen A. It will never happen, black people. What has not happened in the past if it has not happened in the past for us in this country, it probably will not happen. In a sense of, like, and I'm saying that to apply that to a sense of, like, some type of true, I guess, like, people really seeing you through the eyes of, like, as a human being. Or, like, as an equal or not. Like, that you come from a terrible background of just ignorant fools and, bless your heart, you made it out of that. Like, that type of thing. Um, doesn't matter what we do because it has not happened. And that's, just, that's the way we need to look at it when we go to the polls and vote, too. Before I get out of here, before I close the show, if I want to speak to that again. That's the way that we need to speak about it when we go to the polls as well. We cannot continue to vote. Hush, Chaz. Hush. We cannot continue to go to the polls to vote. For politicians that don't address us specifically. They've passed bills that... Disenfranchise us You will know that People most educated black people Understand that So why can't we understand that We need to stop We need to change our behavior And how we react to the situation Not We can't change them We're not going to keep just Giving our vote And hope Well maybe one day five years That's not how change works That's not the way that change works Like real change Does not happen like that Like it's not Well maybe in five years You know We'll get a politician to speak for us No Because we were saying that Back in 1955 or 52, I'm sorry, whatever the election was. Or whatever. And every time there's great advances made in the country, we don't make those advances. And we're a part of the fabric. And I'm going to keep going back to that. We're just as much a part of the fabric as anybody else. So your vote does matter. It does. And we need to be on code. And when you go to the polls, just think about it. And, and, and if they're not trying to speak to issues that will benefit you tangibly as a black person, then what are you voting for? Because historically, you've never gotten anything anyway. Every advance that black people have made has been because, and I'm going to reiterate this, I'm blue in the face, because we did it. We decided that we wanted to change what was going on. Not because a politician. I want people to realize that when the abolitionist movement was happening in the 19th century, only 5% of the American population could be considered themselves abolitionists. When Abraham Lincoln got elected and all that stuff, majority of the country didn't want slavery. Like, there has never been a time in American history where the, the general white public has wanted you to get gains. 
So you can't look at yourself and look at your vote and look at your life in terms of what white people will or won't allow because it's not up to them. That's what you find when you study history and look back at our existence. It's when we got fed up and we decided we were going to change, that's when it got it. It wasn't when we were waiting for them because we'll be waiting a long time because that's not the name of the game, of life, of existence, of survival. That's not the name of the game is to give people stuff. Now, they will. They have. They have because people enforced it. Because when you enforce yourself and assert yourself, you get different results than if you just lay back and just wait and hope and get sold hope by Corny Booker. I mean, Cory Booker, I'm sorry. And his he's running for president because he wants to ignite the moral imagination of what we can be as a nation. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? That's corporate politicians, dude. Like, why are we running for these people? Because they're the only people that get pushed in our face. Yeah, the only people that get pushed in our face because we are the people, dog. You are the people Like you're part of the people Like remember that That's so interesting And it's funny because That type of thought process That we have It bleeds into sports Where we get mad at players For wanting more money But you're a worker Just like the player is But you don't look at yourself like that You think you're somehow An owner or something Like man get out of here Anyway Just think about that Alright Just think about that That's all I'm saying I don't want to come off mad Or angry But I just want black people To think In a historical context That you've never got anything Tangible from the government and until the government decides to give you something tangible, there's a lot of other things you could be doing, i.e. saving your money to build a business, i.e. educating your children, I don't know, getting your own education up, I don't know, traveling, reading, anything. I've said that on my last podcast, I'll say it again. There's other things you could be doing instead of concerning yourself with voting for politicians who don't want to talk directly to you. That's not to say don't vote locally, because you got state senators like Senator Flowers in Arkansas that we need to ride for. But yeah, y'all, thank you for listening to the podcast. You can um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Veteran Minority. You can also get the podcast at Google Play. I post the links on my Twitter and on my Facebook. Also, I have a Facebook page, man. Look me up on uh, Facebook, Demetrius Collins. You can like the page. I post all my episodes there as well. Um, My website is coming. Uh, Definitely a rebrand of the podcast is coming as well. So just keep it locked for all that. I'm going to try to spread my wings a little bit more and Try to um, use some of this 21st technology to bring a more a different show and things of that nature. But I appreciate everybody for listening, man. Thank you um, for all the support. And until next week.